Let's give it up. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm thinking, you know what? The band is playing, the choir is singing, the lights are shining, the smoke is blowing, and it's like you come in here and go, what is going on? Is this some kind of party? Yeah. Yeah. This is a resurrection party. This is Resurrection Sunday. And we're saying, thank you, God, for the life that you share with us, that we might share it with one another in his presence today. So to everyone joining us online, across the nation, around the world, wherever you're making your connection, we're praying God's blessing for you. And for everyone right here live in person in Coral Gables, we invite God's blessing for you. Would you please be seated now? And this is also Family Worship Day for Christ Journey Church. So I want to invite... Uh, Parents, if you would let your kindergarten or through fifth grader join me on the platform just for a moment. I got a story I want to tell, and I'd like to welcome them up. But we need your permission because we're live streaming. It's going around the world today, and so we're inviting as many as can and will to come on up and join me and just have a seat right in here. We're going to think a little bit together about what makes this day special, what makes this day fun. Okay, because this is like Easter holiday is a fun time. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm so glad to see every one of you. Happy for you to be here. I bet you've seen an Easter basket before, haven't you? And you may have even gotten one already today, right? And then there's some stuff in here that remind us about why this day is special. I mean, some of it is fun, like toys are fun, and eggs, you know, colored, and... Um, Candy, there's some candy in here too, you know, and that could be fun. So I'm thinking about this basket is going to, what are some things that you find fun? All that stuff, you do that stuff? Okay, well, this basket is also going to help us understand what is best about Easter. And some of that is, the fun is a lot of fun, but what is the best thing we celebrate at Easter? And, um, and I know some of you already know this, so maybe you can hang out there with me and uh, remember it with me. Some people, you, does anybody like marshmallow peeps? Yeah, you do? Okay, I hope you get some. Because um, I'm not sharing these, I'm sorry, but thank, thank you very much. I know, wow, he says. That's the pastor doing that? Yep, that's it. Hey, you know, this is one that I really like. Reese's peanut butter pieces, they come with extra peanut butter in the eggs so but I'm not sharing these either so um, maybe you know check with me after like later uh, but we're we're learning here what are some things that have been celebrated that make this day special and I'll tell you one of them is um, well eggs because from the earliest time in we're remembering that springtime is rolling around there were spring celebrations that took place. In fact, uh, at one point, people believed that the goddess Easter was responsible for the sun rising in the east, and that's where the name came from, Easter, because it was about the sun rising in the spring. In some places in the world, it gets really, really cold in wintertime, and so they were really happy to see the sun come back out, and so they would celebrate, hey, the sun's coming out, it's Easter. Um, we celebrate a different kind of sun rising this time of year, the S-O-N, the Son of God rising. And, um, and I think there might be something in this egg that can help us remember that. 
Shall we open it up? Okay. Oh, come on. That's disappointing. You ever had an egg that didn't have anything in it? Well, there's one. And then here's something else here. I don't know if you've ever gotten a piece of cloth in your Easter basket. Why would anybody do that? It's like, so, and yet maybe there's something here reminding us that after Jesus, who loves us so much, came and he was put to death, though he had done nothing wrong, they put him in a grave, in a tomb, and then closed the door with a big rock. And on the morning, Sunday morning after he was buried, some friends went to the tomb, and they got to the tomb, but it was empty. So, you know, an empty egg is kind of disappointing, but an empty grave, when you go to a cemetery, <laughs> it's like, what is that? What's going on? It's kind of confusing. Yeah, what happened here? And then the friends went into the tomb and they found a cloth because Jesus' body had been wrapped in a cloth. And so I think these are reminding us of the story that Jesus, when he died, didn't stay in the tomb dead, but that he rose from the dead. Do you have something you'd like to say? Yeah, he rose from the dead, but she's saying that people didn't believe that he did. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more, too. She maybe should be sitting here. So, it's a, thank you, thank you. Um, so what we're going to remember today, what we celebrate today is that the tomb is empty, which means that God's life and love is available to us. And that joy, you know what those friends did? They ran back to the disciples and told them that God's rescue plan is underway and that God has come to us so that we could share his life in Jesus and that joy with the entire world. And the world's been made happier every Easter ever since. And we're celebrating today with billions and billions of people around the world, that the tomb is empty and our hearts can be full of joy. So I want to thank you kids, and I'm sorry, I don't have any treats for you here, but here's the good news. We've got them outside. Yeah, I'm telling you, right around the corner of this building, there's some chickens and ducks and rabbits and stuff that you can see out there, and they've got some treats for you. So, though the pastor won't let you have any of his candy, we have making sure that there's some treats for you before you leave today. So, grown-ups, would you mind letting your kids find their way back to you? Okay? And uh, thank you so much for coming up here and sharing a little bit of time with me. God bless you. Well, we're not quite done yet um, because I have invited Catherine Levy who is a senior at Westminster Christian, if she would step forward and uh, assist me as we remember together what those grown-up friends, actually what Dr. Luke wrote down. Hi, Catherine. So glad that you're here joining me today. And uh, Dr. Luke said that he interviewed people that were there, eyewitnesses, 
And then he wrote their stories down in the book that bears his name, Luke's Gospel. So would you listen as Catherine reminds us of what those friends found that day? On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found that the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wandering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners, be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Thank you so You're much, welcome. Catherine. Appreciate your help today. Say thank you, yes. Thank you. Then they remembered. Would you say those three words with me? Then they remembered. Now sometimes I need to be reminded of things. How about you? My, I forget things. My mind gets cluttered. My memory gets uh, full of other stuff. And so I could use a little reminding. This story told us that it is here to remind us. Like kids, sometimes you, your mom or your dad asks you to do something and you don't do it, and what do you say? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, so we all forget things. We all need to be reminded at different times about things that matter. And so that's what I want to talk with us about for just a little bit, things that God wants us to remember. And first, I want to start by telling you a story of a preschooler named Jana. I've told the story before, but if you're new here, I don't want you to miss this because it's so special to me. It's a true story. Jana was a preschooler, and it was her first day in big church, and she'd seen her very first baptism by immersion. That's where people had come into this pool with the pastor, and the pastor then lowers them into the water, and then lifts them out, and they're dripping wet. I mean, it was very impressive. And so that afternoon, Jenna went back home. Obviously, Sue, her mom, was walking down the hallway in the house and heard some splashing coming from the bathroom. And so she stopped outside, and through the crack in the door, she sees that Jenna is right there by the bathtub. The bathtub is full of water, and she's got all of her baby dolls lined up against the tub, as, can, as her, they're going to be baptized. She's going to baptize all her baby dolls. And so mom, instead of rushing in, just listens as Jana says what she thought she heard the preacher say that day. In the name of the Father and of the Son, in the hole you go. <laughs> now, I'm pretty sure that he said, in the Holy Ghost, but what it sounded like to her was, in the hole you go. And I'm telling you that because I relate to that, and I think many of us do. We imagine that if we were to come to the Father and give ourselves through the Son, then He would take us and put us in some hole, uh, an emotional kind of hole that He would take our joy away, that He would make us pay for what we've done, that we would feel all kinds of guilt and fear, and then load us up with rules. And yet, how different from what Jesus said. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I came that you might have fullness of joy. So I hate to admit it, but I can relate to the confusion and the fear and the forgetfulness um, that the women were feeling that day. But I also 
I also think that what the men said is a very telling question for me. And not just for me, but for us and for the whole human race, in fact. And here's what they said. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And what strikes me there is that we're so like this. We're, we're so hungry for life. We're so hungry for joy. We're so hungry for love. Wherever we go, we're looking for it. We're hungry for it. We look for it all the time. But then we wind up in these kind of dead-end places. We, we want life, and we're looking for life, but we wind up in the place of the dead. Dead ends. And it happens with thrills, it happens with pleasure, it happens with money, it happens with sex, it happens with power, it happens with control. We try to get all of these things thinking we're going to have life only to wind up at a dead end. And sometimes, you know, we just want to have fun. YOLO, you know. So make it work. Make it, make it matter. And sin is fun. Did you know the Bible says that? Sin is fun? Craig Rochelle says, if you don't think sin is fun then either you haven't done it right or you're lying. But it doesn't just leave it there. It tells us the rest of the story. That though sin is fun, it doesn't last. It's temporary. And you discover it has a hook in it. And once you bite the bait, then something in it starts calling you back and taking you down. And it's like, man, what's happening to me? Addiction was never an issue before, but now I find myself going back and again and again and not being able to get out. It's like I just keep getting stuck in this hole. And then if you start paying attention along the way, somewhere it hits you. That no matter how much money you get, no matter how much education you have, no matter who you are or what success or position you manage to pull into your orbit, you still wind up at the cemetery. You see that bumper sticker? Cheer up. Life is hard, and then you die. You ever need reminding of that? Because sometimes we just act like it's never going to happen. I guess I forgot that I'm on a track here that's going to run out of time someday. We need reminding sometimes. But life is hard. Maybe we don't need reminding of that. Hey, we've been living through the hard two years now, over two years of this COVID chaos, crying out loud, you know, political upheaval, economic crisis, 20 wars being fought in our world this very moment right now, but I'm not just talking about how hard it is out there somewhere. You know what? It gets personal right here, too. You've lost a loved one. They've been with you on this day until this year, and now you notice their absence in a special and new way. It's hard. Your business has been affected in all of this upheaval. And that's not been easy. That's been hard, right? Your family, your marriage isn't what you had hoped it would be. It's harder now. And, and it, you know what's not hard? It's not hard to get discouraged. It's not hard for discouragement. Then you know what happens? It becomes despondency, and you just kind of numb out. And then despondency becomes depression. And next thing you know, your tail's spinning down, and depression has become despair. And oh, my goodness, we're right in that cemetery with those women. And it feels like death is right here upon us. That's where the women are that day at Jesus' tomb. The circumstances of life had just come crashing in, and now we're crushing them in the middle of it. They had suffered injustice. 
from the people in power. They felt helpless to do anything about it in response, except maybe put some spices, show up at the grave and put some spices on a dead body. Only when they get there, (laughs) now they get to the tomb and there's no body. I mean, they didn't know what we know now. You know, imagine getting there on this, the first time to the tomb and there's no body, the tomb is empty. I mean, how could things get any worse? Somebody said Murphy was an optimist. This is a Murphy day. If anything could go wrong, it has and will, and it's going to get worse. It also reminds me that I have something in common with Jesus. I bet you do too. The scripture says he was delivered into the hands of sinners. Now, I know there's only one Jesus. There's only one only begotten of the Father. Jesus is absolutely unique and in his identity and in his redemptive role. There's only one. One, But look at those words. Delivered into the hands of sinners. You felt like that, haven't you? At some time. I mean, you wound up in the hands of somebody who's doing you wrong. Somebody who is sinning on you. Maybe it's a boss who's out of line. Maybe it's a Miami driver who's out of control. Maybe it's a rude client. Maybe it's an underhanded and sneaky business competitor who's doing you wrong. Maybe it's an employee who's stealing from you. Maybe it's an abusive or hurtful relationship with a parent or a child or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. But somehow, I mean, you have wound up in the hands of somebody that's not doing you right. The hands of of a sinner, somebody, maybe somebody smeared your reputation, your image online, or some kid at school bullied you again, and it's just not, it's not right. Somebody has sinned on you. That's what this means. And I'm telling you, for millions of scenarios, those words could be the headlines of their everyday life right here, delivered into the hands of sinners again. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's been this week for you. This hadn't been a good week. Like the cowboy, I read the story about a cowboy who was driving down a dirt road in his pickup truck, and his dog is riding in the back, and his horse is in the trailer behind the pickup. And he's driving down this dirt road, and he fails to make the curve, and he was traveling at such a speed that he crashes and, the, and uh, has this terrible accident, and it wasn't long the highway patrolman shows up. And the highway patrolman is an animal lover, And the first thing he notices is that this horse has such severe injuries, so serious, that he pulls out his service revolver and puts the horse out of his misery. And he's walking a little bit farther back in the accident because he's hearing this dog just in anguish, crying out in pain. And he realizes that the dog is suffering too, so he relieves his suffering. And finally, he finds the cowboy who's all beat up. He's like got multiple injuries. He's in the weeds beside the road. And the, the patrolman just leans over and says, you okay? And the cowboy who sees that smoking revolver says, never been better, officer. I know, it's a bad joke, forgive me. (laughs) But it's bringing up a point that I want to make clear. You know what that's about? It's about a word that every human being does, every one of us does, especially when we're at risk or, um, or we're hurting. It's called denial. Denial. You okay down there? Oh yeah, it's all good. 
I'm all, it's all good. Everything's okay. You know, some of us have been taught denial as a way of life, taught denial as a way of surviving. <laughs> it's like, just be strong. Never show weakness. Never let them see you sweat. Never, never release your stiff upper lip. A lot of us have been putting on a strong front for a couple years now. And you know what the surveys are saying about us right now? Here's, here's what they're saying. We're lonely. We're anxious. We're depressed. We're hurting. We feel sad. We feel mad. We feel the doldrums, like, is this ever going to change? We feel on the verge of hopelessness. And then, like, we're just tired of the way things are, but we still feel kind of helpless to make anything different. It's like the cowboy in that story. But here's where I get to say, Jesus gets us. Easter meets us right in that cemetery, and Jesus gets us. He understands the kind of world that we're living in. He understands life in the cemetery. He was there. Life in the hands of imperfect people who don't get it right. And what that means is they get it wrong, and sometimes they get it wrong on you, don't they? And what happens? Well, they put you in a hole. See, there is a hole, and we want to stay out of it, but it isn't God that puts us in the hole. He finds us there and lifts us out of it. That's the story we're celebrating today. But what do we do when we find ourselves in the hole? I'll tell you what we do. Oh, no, I'm, it's all good. I'm fine. How you doing? Oh, great. Don't let them see, right? That's called denial. Maybe you heard the true story about Muhammad Ali, who was the world heavyweight champ at the time, in his prime, and, uh, he's on, he, and he was resenting being told by a flight attendant to fasten his seatbelt for takeoff. And so what he says to her, he says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And just like that, she says, Superman don't need no airplane either. <laughs> so Ali had a little lesson in stepping out of his denial that day. And he fastened up. Did you know that there are like 200 different types of 12-step programs being practiced today? Helping people find freedom as they face alcoholism, overeating, drugs, narcotic abuse, sex addictions. Uh, addictions. There's even a group called Sinners Anonymous. And in all 200 of those programs, 12 steps, the first step in the recovery in every one of them is called the step of admission. We admit we were powerless over fill in the blank, that our lives had become unmanageable. You know what that's saying? Superman needs help. And there's no shame in that. There's actually potential awakening in that because that Whole is where Jesus can meet you in the place of death and then begin your new life of Christ's journey together, taking steps in that Christ's journey. But the step out of denial happens by invitation. And all through the Bible, you will find invitations to step out of your denial and into the reality of your need by taking a step of admission, just like Ali. Even in your best Superman moments, you need help. Hey, even Superman. Superman had an Achilles heel, didn't he? Kids, you remember what Superman's Achilles heel was? Kryptonite, somebody said. Yeah, kryptonite. Superman has a substance issue. 
Does that make him less super? No. It makes him smart. If he admits that he's got this issue, then he will be better able not to be taken out by it the next time he gets in range. Here's a Bible admission. You find these all through the scripture. This one is from the Apostle Paul. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. What he's saying is my Achilles heel is right inside of me. I'm my own worst enemy sometimes. I got an issue inside of me that he's stepping out of his denial about, isn't he? I want to do what's right. I want to do what's good. But I can't carry it out. I can't hold on. Now, the, that admission then introduces us into a whole new reality that you can be too good for God. Think about this for a moment. You can be too good for God, but never too bad. Kids, did you know that? That some people actually think they are so good they don't need God. You can be too good for Jesus, but you can never be too bad for him. And Jesus tried to explain this to people, religious people, who were called Pharisees, whose drug of choice was self-righteousness. And they'd get high on themselves. Self-righteousness is when you treat people like you're better than they are. And so Mark has a story that he tells us about how Jesus was. Jesus, when he was with people that were other people would consider bad, this is what he said. Uh, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed them. And when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, that's the self-righteous guys that are high on themselves, see him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they ask the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, it sounds like he's using those words a lot, doesn't it? Tax collectors and sinners, why is that? Because I think those are labels that people put on other people. See, sometimes we have this tendency to label people that we want to say we're better than, and so we put a label on them. And Jesus, in Mark's gospel, he's saying that Jesus didn't treat people like they were labeled. He says, he hears the question, and it's like he intercepts the question out of the air, and he says, I'll tell you why. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I've come not to call the righteous, I'm thinking self-righteous, but sinners. And what that means to me is the sooner I admit my need, the sooner I will experience Jesus' healing. The sooner I admit my need, the sooner I will experience his healing. In other words, he's got us covered. Jesus knows we all have problems. He knows we all make mistakes. He knows that we all tend to hide in denial when we feel at risk and we want to put on a, you know, a more super exterior than what we're feeling on the inside. But because he cares about us, it makes it easier for me to admit I need help. That's the first step. Here's what the gospel says, that God was in Jesus on the cross for us, for you, and let his body be broken. Why? So that he could meet us in our broken places. And he said, when you break bread, remember this, because I'll meet you in the broken place. And then he said, my blood is going to be poured out because it's going to cover all those mistakes. It's going to cover all those sins, those that you commit and those that are committed against you. There's a way out of that hole out of that guilt. And not only did he meet us on Good Friday in the death of that cemetery, he also meets us on 
Resurrection Sunday with the power of new life. And that's what the celebration is about. Let's remember that. I got another story for you. Two guys were duck hunting in uh, southeast Georgia. There's, they were at wide open barren ground, tall grass on the horizon. They see this smoke cloud rising, and next thing you know, they're hearing crackling sounds, and then they realize it's a wildfire. It's a brush fire, and it's traveling at such a pace that they'll never be able to outrun it. And so one of the guys reaches into his pockets, and he pulls them out, empties them out. He found some matches, and he takes the matches, and he lights a fire around a perimeter of where he and his buddy were standing and lets it all burn away. And the friend's like, what's going on here? By that time, the fire has made it to them. It's traveling so fast, and they crouch in the middle of that burned-out place, and they, they cover their faces with handkerchiefs, and the fire passes around them and they're not even singed why is that do you know it's because fire will not burn where fire has already burned hmm the devastating power of sin and self-deception that brings death into our life is like this brush fire that just burning everybody in its path but if you and I stand in the burned out place the shadow of the cross is that burned out place where sin and death does has done its worst and now have been destroyed and so there we huddle on this holy Sunday. And from there, not only do we know the embrace of God's grace, but we celebrate the lift and life that comes from Christ out of the hole and into the joy. We're reminded that what the angels told the women applies to us too, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners be crucified, and then on the third day be raised. What does that mean? It means Jesus gets us. He knows what it's like to be on this side. And then once we start understanding that, then we're invited to take the step of admission. Admit what? That I need help. I need God's help. I'm not strong enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough to manage this problem, but I need God's help. We'll talk more about that next week. But when you admit that, you know what Jesus says? Good news, doctor's in the house. And the doctor can bring his medicine to your house, to your soul. So what are some takeaways from today? Well, I would suggest maybe three. One is, read the stories again for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Get out your Bible, read Luke 24, Mark chapter 2, and see yourself in there. And ask yourself this, what difference would it make if I welcome Dr. Jesus to help me face my problems? Whatever hole you're in, that he would meet you there, and he wouldn't leave you there. He'll lift you from there. Second, what, where am I in denial? Am I pretending to be more super- than I really am. And is that keeping me from experiencing some of God's power that he would show up? And here's the third one. What if I were to take the next step? You know, this is just the first step. 
Every journey has more than one step. What if I took the first step and then took the next step? Would more freedom find me in the challenges that I'm facing? I want to say to you, yes, and that's exactly where God wants to meet you. So whatever that step is for you today, could you pray with me about taking it now? Lord Jesus, thank you for the courageous step of faith that you have modeled for us on the cross. Thank you, gracious Father God, for removing the penalty of our sin in Christ and for providing the power of his resurrection for our lives moving forward. Thank you that we can gather as your family today and celebrate a resurrection party. We pray your blessing upon every person. But every person means that we have some people joining us that God is saying, I don't want you just to be religious. I don't want you just to come and listen today. I'd like for you to join me in the journey. Is that you? If you'd like to know Jesus in personal relationship by his spirit, then I'm going to offer a prayer right now. Maybe exactly what God wants you to take as your next step. Lord Jesus, thank you that you get me. Thank you that you love me. And thank you that you came for me. And I'm thankful that you're with me right now in this space where I'm troubled. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. Forgive my sins. And now come alive in me. I open my heart and welcome your resurrection power by your spirit. Come alive in me. Help me as I seek to turn from my way and learn to go your way. And I make this prayer in your name. Now our heads are still bowed for a moment, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you simply raise your hand wherever you're seated, hold them high for just a moment so that I'll have a chance to see you joining us online. Please just say it in the chat. I'm praying right now with Phil and and I want you to pray for me, amen. I'm seeing several on my left, in the middle, on the, on the, toward the back in the wall, and then right here in the front, God bless you, and in the third row right down here, and in the seventh row over here in the center, and then to my back, God bless you all. I see your hands raised. We're brothers, sisters, let's pray God's blessing upon all of the people who by raised hands are saying my heart is open, and they're receiving by faith the gift that God has promised. Lord, by your spirit, help them know the joy of salvation and the peace that passes understanding as we take these next steps together in your name. Amen.